0: Hi, and welcome to the Pulpit to Pew podcast. My name's Brad McClure. You see, there was a time when I stood behind a pulpit each week and had the opportunity to teach God's Word. Today, I'm a banker, and each week I sit in a pew just like you. I may have gone from the pulpit to the pew, but I haven't lost my love for learning and teaching God's Word. And that's what this podcast is all about. So, grab your Bibles and let's study God's Word together. Hey friends, and welcome back to the Pulpit Pew Podcast. So glad you chose to join us once again this week. And this week, once again, we're going to continue studying David, why not? He's an amazing man of God, and I want us to talk this week about what I believe to be one of his greatest qualities. Now, so far, we've been seeing how David's got a great purpose from God. We didn't necessarily talk about that. I started the study of David while he was in the cave, but we know he's got a great purpose from God. God said, you will be the next king, but he's also running from his life. He's been in some miserable circumstances where he's feared that he may even die, and it's the promise of God that has pulled him through. And last week, I think it was last week, we talked about his friend that encouraged him in that promise. But let me ask you this question. What if, and put yourself in a scenario like David. Maybe you're not running from a guy trying to kill you, but imagine if the problem that you're facing right now you could end it right now. You had the power to end it right now. But you felt like it was against what God wanted you to do. That's exactly where David found himself this week in our study. And so David's trials are continuing. But I think of this verse in 1 Peter 1 7, which says, That the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire. It might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. That verse has always gripped me to think about the fact that he's saying the trial of your faith. What is it? What is the trial? Maybe it's several trials, but a trial of your faith that is just testing you, just wearing you down, but it's molding you. It's more precious. God says that trial is more precious than gold. Boy, that just reminds me. I may never get to my study of David. I was sitting this week, uh, as you know, my wife and I went to Michigan. I mentioned that on the po- last podcast. And I was sitting with my former pastor. Ironically, the only pastor I've ever had in my life that wasn't a family member. Uh, pastor Mark Booth up in Michigan, who I love dearly. And we we're sitting at with dinner with, with Pastor Booth and his wife and my wife and I. And we were talking about a few trials in our lives. And he said this, he, he made this statement, it was really good. He said, Would you be where you're at right now spiritually if you didn't have that trial? Well, there's a lot of wisdom in that. Think about that. The trials, that's what this verse is saying. He's saying the trial is is more precious than gold. Though it may be tried with fire, it might be found in the praise and honor and glory in the appearing of Jesus Christ. So just something to think about as we kind of get warmed up because and the reason I'm setting is because David could end all of his... He could seemingly end all of his trouble this week. But he doesn't do it. So why not? Well, let's see. We're in First Samuel chapter 24. And it says this. I'm reading uh, verse 1. It says, And it came to pass when Saul was returned from following the Philistines. So remember Saul kind of got sidetracked he was chasing David but the Philistines had attacked and so he kind of got sidetracked it was God sovereignly protecting David and Saul left and went to go fight them but now he's done with that and his his sights are set back on David and says so it says that he was done following the Philistines it was told him saying behold David is in the wilderness of Engedi. now Engedi was a place there was it was a natural hideout for outlaws because it had rocky and steep limestone cliffs, they tell me. And these cliffs were full of caverns, they were full of caves. And so it's here in Engedi. I, I, I talked about the cave that he was at before that I just loved. I just lost the name of that cave. Adulam, boy, I just lost the name of that. The cave that got us started down this road of life of David. But now he's in another cave, a cave of Engedi. He's going to learn another important lesson. And we're going to see a glimpse of why God calls him a man after his own heart. So that's where he's at in the wilderness of En in a cave of En Gedi. It says, Then Saul took 3,000 chosen men out of Israel and went to seek David and his, and his men upon the rocks of the wild goats. And he came to the sheep coats, by the way, where it was a cave, and Saul went in to cover his feet. I'm not going to beat around. I'm not going to tell jokes. And he went to go to the bathroom. That's what he was doing. And David and his men remained in the sides of the cave. So what a crazy story. Here comes Saul. He's out traveling, searching for David. He's right next to David. He has no idea. He tells his men, hey, let's stop here for a second. I need to go to the bathroom. He goes into this cave, a cave large enough to hold David's now 600-person little army. So 600 men around this cave. And Saul goes in to go to the bathroom, and they're all looking at him. And they and and they even say, "Let me, let me, let me just read what it says." And the men of David said unto him, "Behold!" I just hear him whispering. Can you hear him whispering? "Behold!" I better not do that into the mic in case you can't hear it. But just imagine them whispering this: "Behold, the day which the Lord said unto thee, behold, I will deliver thine enemy into thy hand, that thou mayest do to him as it shall seem good unto thee." Then David arose and cut off the skirt of Saul's robe, privily, secretly. Man, you would think it's going to say, oh, right there, right there going to the bathroom is all of the problems of David's life. He's going to go and he's going to cut his throat. He's going to go and he's going to stab him in the back. All of his problems are going to be over. But David cuts his skirt. The skirt's the outward garment of his Robe that they wore back then. Now some say, and and this is my thoughts too, like how in the world could he sneak up on a man? And how could six hundred people be that quiet that they would sneak up on a man going to the bathroom in a cave and no one hear it? Well, a couple of things to keep in mind. Remember, there's three thousand horses outside, three thousand men outside could have been lao we don't know what's in these caves is there waterfalls is there outside sound whatever so dave could have dave Dave, yeah david and i dave and i are that close i just call him dave no david i feel like i've talked about him enough and thought about him enough i could call him dave but i'll save that for heaven but david could have crept up and cut that it's also very possible that saul just kind of threw it aside on a rock it's the outer garment went in a little farther to the restroom and david just cut a piece of it right there we don't know, but he could have ended, seemingly ended his problems. But David didn't. He cut off his skirt. Now, all he did was cut off his skirt. That's it. That's all that he did. He did nothing else. If anything, he'd be coming back and we would be going, David, did you chicken out? What are you doing? Do you need help? What's your problem? But even after just cutting off his skirt, it says, and it came to pass afterward that David's heart smote him see this is what we call he had no peace he felt guilty he felt convicted it says his heart smote him because he had cut off Saul's skirt (laughs) oh that's all he did he didn't do anything Saul didn't even know and then Saul finishes up what he's doing and goes back out in the cave he didn't even know what was going on and so verse six, and he, David said unto his men, the Lord forbid that I should do this thing unto my master, the Lord's anointed, to stretch forth my hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. He says, I can't do this. He is the king that God has given right now, and he has not died. His, his death is not to come from my hand. And so I can't raise my hand against God's anointed you say well Saul is is bullying you he's trying to kill you he's full of bitterness he's full of fear he's full of jealousy he's chasing you he's handpicked 3,000 men to kill you he stopped to the go to the restroom right where you are God has and, and and do we not use this statement all the time I'm not saying it's sometimes not a right statement but it is definitely not a statement that we hang every decision on in our lives but God has presented the circumstances to go perfectly in line with what you need and what you want. You see, so often we think God's will is only when the circumstances line up. Well, what about when God's will and the circumstances don't line up? Think of Joseph. Think of Daniel in the lion's den. Think of a lot of other people. And so, he cuts off the little bit of the skirt. He couldn't kill him, and then he felt guilty about that. His conscience was pricked, and he felt guilty. I think about some verses right now. Think about this. But I say unto you, Matthew says, love your enemies. Bless them the curse. You do good to them that hate you. Pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. I think of Acts 24, 16, when Paul said, And herein do I exercise myself to have always a conscience void of offense toward God and toward men. And David was saying that. I don't, I, it bothers my conscience. I cannot do that. And so what is the principle? What is the, the character trait about David that stands out to me this week that I want to have? that makes me love David so much, one of his greatest, I think, is David had a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. He had a sensitive heart to the Holy Spirit's moving. What does that mean? Well, let me show you the opposite. When our hearts become cold, and when our hearts become hard because of sinful living or because we continue to do something, it's just like a callous You know, if I'm working, I get on that rotor tiller here soon again, and I get to working on that rotor tiller, my hands, they can become callous. Now, trust me, I don't work hard enough in manual labor to develop calluses, but it started to get close. It could get close to that. But when you become calloused or hard, your conscience becomes numb, can even become seared. But when our conscience and when our, let me just say this, let me continue down this road for a second. When your conscience becomes dull, you know what you're gonna find? You're gonna start rationalizing wrongdoing. Ah, well, it wasn't that bad. You're gonna start excusing sin. Well, it's just a little sin. You're gonna you're gonna start putting up with pride. You're gonna start being sympathetic to perversion, believe it or not, when you get to this place, you're gonna to start tolerating temptation. And you're going to even give in to temptation. You're going to listen to temptation. And you're going to become apathetic in your attitude towards God. That's all a person whose heart is hard. Matter of fact, I would argue that this is Saul. I do believe that Saul was a Christian. I do believe it. I think there's some areas you can prove it. It could be argued. But Saul doesn't have a sensitive heart about this right now. So, But David had a very sensitive heart. He had a forgiving heart. He was forgiving of Paul. You know, forgiveness, what is forgiveness? It's surrendering my right to the hurt back to the hurt back to the person. I'm not I'm not let me say that right. Surrendering my right to hurt the person back. I'm no longer going to try to hurt that person. I'm surrendering that to God. God, you give the vengeance, not me. So David is now showing that he's got self-discipline over his anger and over his desire and over that revenge. He's showing self-discipline. He has a heart that is sensitive to God and what God wants, even if it's not going to benefit him. It's going to benefit him to get rid of Saul, earthly speaking, because now he doesn't have to run. He can just become king. But it's not God's time. He couldn't do it bothered his conscience. One phrase that we use a lot, and I think it's the proper way to use it. I heard someone, and I, and I think the person preached a good message, but someone speak against this recently, not against it, but in a message. But we could say here, he did not have peace about it, and he didn't because he was feeling convicted that it was wrong. You know what else I admire this about David is even as men were like, are you crazy? They even tried to persuade him, hey, God has put him God has put this situation together perfectly. This has to be God's will. But David still said no. He honored and he was loyal. He honored his king. He was loyal to his king, even if his king didn't honor him or wasn't loyal to him. You know, I'm not going to get into the rest of it because I want to leave the principle here, but he, David ends up controlling his people. No one touched Saul. David then comes out to Saul. Get this. He comes out to Saul, confesses what he did. What did David do? Well, he cut the skirt off. Oh my, that's the end of the world. Well, he took it as disrespect and he apologized to Saul. Saul should have been apologizing to him. But David's heart was so tender and so sensitive to God that he didn't want to do the slightest thing to his king to his enemy who's been treating him wrong you Now that's where david is so different than so many of us because we may do the smallest of things to someone that's doing the greatest of things to us but we refuse to get it right out of pride because we say well they never apologized to us or they aren't getting this right or they so i'm not going to because they won't that's not biblical the biblical thing is, what is God speaking to my heart about? And if I'm answering to God, I'm getting it right. Let them figure out their part. So David confessed it. He told Saul what he did. He comes out because Saul was getting ready to leave with his men, and he says, "Hey Saul!" Saul turns around. Whoa, there's David, and he shows him. His, he said, "I could have killed you, and I didn't." But he confesses what he did was wrong, and you know. I don't know if I'll get to it next week. I don't know if I'll continue. But Saul ended up apologizing. And for a time being, there's going to be a little bit of peace. But it's all going to change again. And so David's trial may have some peace for a little bit. But he could have taken it into his own hands and maybe dealt with it. But he chose to confess it. He chose a small thing. He did, in his mind, wrong, but he he gave it back to God. He was convicted over it. He confessed it. He got it right. Something that all of us would have said, it's no big deal. I would have done worse. But David had a sensitive heart. That's my challenge for us this week on the podcast. May we have that heart that the smallest of sins convict us to the point that we don't justify them, we don't rationalize them, we don't excuse them, we take them directly to God and say, God, forgive me. And if we've done it against someone else, we go to them and say, just forgive me. We need to have a sensitive heart towards God. Hey, thanks for listening this week to the pulpit to Pew podcast. Hey, thanks for sticking around. I hope that podcast was a help and encouragement and a challenge to you this week. Would you do me a favor? if it was an encouragement to you, wherever you're listening to it right now, would you make sure you subscribe? So hit the subscribe button that guarantees that it comes to your phone or whatever you're listening to. And then outside of that, would you leave a review? If you're on Apple iTunes or Apple podcasts, go and leave a review. And uh, that's going to help it spread out to more people and be an encouragement to more people. So I appreciate you doing that. Also, Make sure you sign up to get the weekly newsletter. It comes out every Monday. Just I'm, I'm, I've got some guinea pigs. I've got now I think 70 guinea pigs that I'm writing to as I'm trying to learn the art of writing. I want to encourage you to get in on that and then join our Facebook page and our YouTube page as we're going to be using that a little bit more. Normally on today, when I'm recording this Wednesday, I would be putting out another YouTube video, but I had a lot of things going on, so I didn't do that today. But we'll do that soon. So, guys, thank you so much for being a part of the podcast. Let me know where you're listening from, what you're doing. Send me an email. Go, It's uh, bradmcclure31 at gmail.com. Send me an email. I don't care if you have my, my email or look me up on social media. I'd love to hear from you. Thank you so much for your faithfulness in listening, and I hope it's encouragement to you. Have a great week.